And it is an honor and a pleasure to welcome back to our air Ron Dermer, who is a former Israeli ambassador to the United States. He's originally from Florida, but he has uh, been an Israeli for some years, a quarter century. And he is uh, now also a current member of Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's war cabinet. Uh, big news today, which uh, seems to be very gratifying to the Biden administration. Uh, they had been pressing for a ceasefire or something close to a ceasefire. But instead, uh, there are going to be four-hour daily pauses in Gaza uh, fighting to allow civilians to flee. Uh, is this... Um, is this something uh, that uh, is intended to uh, actually spare lives? People have been worried about the the damaging impact on the population of Gaza. Is this is basically an attempt to aid civilians? Well, first of all, let me just clarify a few things. There's not a general ceasefire in Gaza, and the, the prime minister and the war cabinet, of which you said I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a member of the war cabinet, actually an observer to the war cabinet, we've made it clear that there will not be any general ceasefire, even a temporary one, without a return of our hostages. Uh, what the discussion was is, could we put in place uh, safe corridors, humanitarian corridors, uh, and safe zones so that people can go from the areas of the fighting uh, elsewhere. And what we, we've been able to do that, it's been difficult because you're dealing with a war zone. But for the last several days, and I think for several more days to come, we've put in place a, a corridor that is allowing Palestinians to move from north uh, to south. And uh, the uh, Biden administration from the beginning was uh, encouraging us and trying to working working sort of how we can do this to get people out of harm's way and also to get humanitarian supplies to those who need it. But this safe corridor from the north to the south has enabled us to get many, many people out of the zone of conflict. The, from the beginning of the war, we told people, get out of the northern part of Gaza. And if your listeners don't know, there was about 1.1 million people who live in the northern part of the Gaza Strip. And about 750,000 had already started moving to the south. This was before our ground operation began. Since the ground operation began, we've still encouraged people leave this area because our soldiers are coming. And obviously, we want to get the civilians out of harm's way. And in the last few days, we've on a road have allowed Palestinians to leave uh, about four hours every day. And the first day, only several hundred left. The second day, I think there were about four or five thousand who left. Yesterday, there were 50,000. I don't know how many have left today, but it's encouraging because obviously we're trying to do everything we can to avoid civilian casualties and just focus on, on taking out the terrorists, which we've been very effective at doing uh, since our ground operation began. What about the hostages? Uh, the uh, uh, There has been speculation here in the United States immediately that uh, part of these humanitarian pauses, four hours every day, that that will help lead to the release of at least some more of the hostages. Are you optimistic about that? Well, I don't think that's a factor. I think the one factor that will lead to more uh, release of hostages is going to be enormous pressure on Hamas. Uh, there was no question to us and to all the experts who deal with the issue of the hostages and Israel's uh, security and intelligence uh, people that having the ground operation would put a lot more pressure on Hamas. 
And the more pressure we can put on Hamas, the greater the chance we will have, not only to achieve our military objective in this war, which is to eliminate the Hamas's military capability to end its political rule of Gaza and to ensure that Gaza doesn't pose a threat to Israel uh, in the future, but also to advance a potential hostage uh, deal. And so I think we're closer today than we were yesterday, and we have to just keep the pressure on, and hopefully we can find uh, a potential deal that could secure the release of, of many, many hostages. There is a um, piece today in the New York Times, which you probably have seen, uh, under the headline, Hamas's goal for October 7th, a permanent state of war. Does that piece by Ben Hubbard and uh, Maria Abi Habib, uh, does that piece speak to you about uh, what you have known about Hamas, certainly even before October 7th? Well, I haven't read the piece that you're talking about, but it's clear to me that Hamas's goal is, and it says it openly, is to destroy Jews. It also says openly to murder, I mean, sorry, to destroy the state of Israel and to also murder Jews worldwide. It's not just a terror organization. It's a genocidal terror organization, and you saw the evidence of that in these horrific, this horrific attack on October 7th, and just the nature of the attack was, was so appalling. Uh, and that's why President Biden said it was, you know, worse than ISIS. And Chancellor Schultz, the head of Germany, said it reminds him of the Nazis. Uh, I try to remind people that the Nazis tried to hide their crimes from the world, and these people were wearing GoPros going in there, broadcasting it to the world. So I don't know if they want a perpetual state of war. They'd like to destroy the state of Israel, and they'd like to do it as soon as possible uh, and build an Islamic uh, caliphate and then attack everybody else that they disagree with. Remember, Hamas is is an arm of the Iranian octopus. You have in Tehran the leader of an entire axis, the regime in Tehran, uh, an axis of terrorism. And one of those arms is Hamas, and another arm is Islamic Jihad, and a third arm is Hezbollah in Lebanon, and a fourth arm are the Houthis in Yemen, and a fifth arm will be the Shia militias in Iraq, and a sixth arm will be uh, militias and terror groups in Syria. They have many, many, many arms. Uh, and their goal is to definitely take over the Middle East, to dominate all of these countries, to take the more moderate Arab states and to and to cast them aside. And ultimately, they want to threaten uh, Europe and threaten the United States. And this is a main terror proxy. Hamas is a main terror proxy of Iran. It wasn't always that case, as you know, because you know the history when this started. But 93 percent of Hamas's military budget is paid for by Iran. One thing about Michael to understand the timing of this, there's no question in my mind that one of the triggering events was the fact that Israel and Saudi Arabia was moving closer to a peace agreement. They, we had been very, very optimistic that peace could be just around the corner. Uh, and I think there's no question that that led to a decision uh, in terms of the timing, because they were obviously planning this for a very, very long time. But why did they do it now? The question is, I think they wanted to prevent the possibility of an Israeli-Saudi rapprochement that would, would represent a very great threat to that entire axis of terror. Yeah, the, uh, that's exactly what the New York Times piece says, exactly as you're saying. The subheading says the group's leaders say carnage was needed to restore focus 
on Palestinians. You have to slaughter 1,400 people and take 240 hostages. Uh, I take it uh, we have less than a minute left, Ambassador Dermer, but I take it that there will – you don't anticipate uh, even with these pauses that there will be negotiations directly with Hamas. No, there's a there's a channel which right now is through the Qataris uh, because they're a main funder also of uh, Hamas. They put a lot of money into Gaza, not their military, but they funded a lot of the civilian things in Gaza, and that's the main channel. But I think everybody in Israel wants to see these 240 people who who come from 27 countries. They're citizens of 27 countries and include 40 children. They want to see them uh, come home. Uh, but in order for us to achieve that goal, we're going to have to put a lot, a lot of pressure on Hamas. And each day, our military is putting more and more pressure and has killed, I mean, upwards of maybe two, 3,000 uh, terrorists. And we're just going to keep going until we both bring our hostages home and achieve uh, a military victory. And last thing I will say, Michael, the Israeli-Saudi peace... If we want to have hope for that peace, it it first must have a victory. We must have a victory in over Hamas in Gaza. That's the key to that peace. If the key to the Abraham Accords was sort of going around Ramallah and taking away the Palestinian veto over peace between Israel and our Arab neighbors, I think now peace between Israel and Saudi Arabia goes right through Gaza. A vi- an Israeli victory in Gaza, I think, will open the door to an Israeli-Saudi peace. May you be blessed with victory soon and a peace to follow. That's Ambassador Ron Dermer, former Israeli ambassador to the United States. Uh, what he, he's saying, uh, it needs further discussion because, uh, again, there's so much important information here. Uh, Ron Dermer, thank you. We will be right back on the Medved Show.